Welcome to this episode of the Outside of Sunday podcast. This week we are asking the question, why go to church? And we will be addressing a recent scandal in the New Zealand church. It's been raining so much where we are, so, so much. The kids have literally been bouncing off the walls and driving me crazy. Um, So today we actually had a little break in the weather and we finally can see like some sunshine. It's not blue skies, but at least it's not raining. You know, we've got the grey, but at least it's not raining. That's that's all I can say. Um, Total sympathy for the people who are going through COVID and having to stay at home with the kids and the rain. I can't even... (laughs) imagine at least when we were in isolation we had the sunshine so we could uh, you know go for a walk uh, or um, you know send the kids out on the deck or something like that so uh, if you're going through COVID right now and the rain my prayers and my thoughts are with you you are a champion you are a hero well done Um, anyway so I've been going (laughs) I've been um, really really Praying for patience from the Lord, asking the Lord for more patience because I've been a grumpy mom and I hate being a grumpy mom, so I gotta get better at that. Okay, our episode today. So, with the COVID lockdowns shaking up how we do church and more scandals coming to light within the wider Christian community, why should we bother? Why should we bother going to church? My faith is in Jesus, not church. Wouldn't it be better just to hang out with our Christian friends on a Sunday and watch a message together on YouTube? Or even just at home alone, like by yourself. Do a little Bible reading and then get on with the day. Why go to church? My name is Christelle. Welcome back to the Outside of Sunday podcast. This podcast is part Bible study, part conversation. The goal being to encourage you to get outside of Sunday Yes, go to church on Sunday, but don't save everything for that one day. Take your worship outside of Sunday, your Bible reading outside of Sunday, your prayer life outside of Sunday. I'm not a pastor or a theologian. I definitely don't have it all figured out, but I love the Lord. I am passionate about his word and I want to spend my life bringing him as much glory as I possibly can. I hope this podcast can help you to pursue our Lord and to grow in your faith outside of Sunday. Uh, I have been so tempted to do just that, to hang out with my Christian friends on Sunday, every Sunday, you know, it sounds ideal, you know, watch a message together online and just spend time in fellowship together. We did do a bit of that over lockdown, but there's a reason why it stopped, not just because lockdown stopped, and there's a reason why we do go to church um, most Sundays. Our family We try to go every Sunday, um, and if we don't go, it's usually because we're sick or we're out of town and um, we don't know a local fellowship or anything like that. And there's actually no verse in the Bible that says we have to go to church every week, every week. So why do we do it? I mean, it does say don't give up meeting together, but it doesn't say, you know, if you want to be specific and like finicky about it, it doesn't say we should go every week, but it does say not to give up meeting together. Um... But yeah, what about the scandals? Why go to church when the pastor is just going to let you down? Now, I've been praying about it for a while. And apart from the fact that I have been really busy, and that's why um, this message is delayed to you guys. Usually I try to do it every fortnight, but I'm a bit, about a week behind 
not only because I've been busy like at home um, and in the evenings but just because it just I haven't been ready like I haven't felt like what the Lord wanted me to say was there yet and it just I tried and it just wasn't working so I've been praying about it um, about what I should say in this episode because I feel like I need to address what's been going on um, with Arise Church and this is definitely not something that I'm doing lightly. Um, I've been very prayerful about it and I feel like there is something to be said. I kind of, you know, usually I'm like, you know, just stay out of it. There's no point. But I do feel like there's something that needs to be said. So, um, yeah, just give me a, bear with me for a little bit. We're going to talk about it. Um, but yeah, please hear my heart. I don't want to talk about it because it's the latest thing. I don't want to talk about it because... Of like gossip or um, just to be, you know, I don't know, just to get points for talking about it. I don't, I don't know, but the Lord placed it on my heart. Um, there were multiple times where I deleted what I said, and then I did it again, and then I deleted it again. Um, but yeah, I feel like um, this is what I need to say. So just, um, yeah, let's just talk about it for a little bit. So we've all heard by now that the senior pastors of Arise Church have been facing a major scandal within their church, and they've resigned. I'm not going to outline exactly what happened, but that, because the accusations are very wide-ranging, but it boils down to this. There were multiple major moral failings by certain pastors, and the victims of those moral failures have brought their stories to light through a secular journalist. This is a terrible thing, but it is good that it has come out. Sin should always be brought to light. Ephesians 5 verses 11 to 13 says, Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light comes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. In James 5, 6, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So, yes, I think it is a good thing that this has all now come to the light. What is not good, however, and what I find disgraceful about the situation, in addition to, you know, what we are hearing in the reports, is that this wasn't brought to light by the ones who needed to confess, repent, and face the consequences of their sin. The pastor themselves should have been the ones to expose their sin. Instead, it was brought to light by an unbeliever. And it's, it's not only a shameful thing for the Christian community that it happened the way, that way, it's a tragedy for those who are the victims I can't even begin to imagine, excuse me, how alone, how unheard and how desperate the people affected must have felt to not be able to have their claims heard and addressed within the church. Everything should be brought to the light. I understand that the full extent of the abuse allegations have not been revealed because some of the victims were required to sign NDAs, which is a non-disclosure agreement. This is another thing that I just find absolutely disgraceful. No member of a church should ever be required to sign an NDA. There should be nothing kept in darkness. 
bring it to the light, repent, face the consequences. It's important to note that there are campus pastors and people still in Arise who have nothing to do with this, who love the Lord and who now will be facing a massive challenge to their faith. Pray for them. Pray that they would seek the Lord, that they will hunger and thirst for righteousness. Pray that dramatic changes are made to ensure that this never happens again. But pray most of all for the victims, that the Lord would bring healing and justice and, and bind their broken hearts. This won't be the last scandal to face the Christian church, but it's yet another reminder for us all not to have our faith in men, but to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Why go to church when our pastors could fail us like so many have before? Let's find out. And let me have a drink of water. All right. As we begin our study today, I just wanted to say that um, if you are not a believer, or no, if you are a believer and you just haven't been going to church, I hope that you will listen with an open mind. I'm not judging you at all. What I, and I'm not even going to try and tell you what you should do. What I'm going to try and do is to show you, come here Andy, it's the dog. <laughs> what I'm going to try and do is to show you what the Bible is telling you you should do. And then you can judge for yourself. So don't turn this message off. Be open to being challenged, but not by me, by the word of God. Let me just let the dog out. Oh, just be a moment. Ah. I thought she was going to be a good dog. <laughs> like, just be quiet and um, not want to go out, but... She's ready to bark at something. All right, okay, first off, what is the church? These days, we think of church as a building, a name, or maybe even a brand. This is not a biblical understanding of the church. In the Bible, the word church is translated from the Greek word ecclesia, which is defined as an assembly or called out ones. The root meaning of church is not connected to a building or a trendy church name, but a people. What is interesting is that when we look at the Bible and how they addressed or identified a church, they would say something similar to Paul to what Paul said in Romans 16 verse 5. Greet the church that is in their house. The church that is in their house, not the house, not the pastor, but the body of believers meeting in that house. It's the people who are the church. So we have... This universal church, which consists of everyone who has received the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then you have the local church, which is what most people call church these days. In Galatians 1 verses 1 to 2, Paul starts his letter by saying this. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brothers with me to the churches in Galatia. So in Galatia, there were many churches. There was this local church kind of network. But there were no mega churches back in the day. When a location filled up, another church would have to start. There were no massive auditoriums, no stadiums, just a location. And usually the home 
usually it was the home of one of the believers and then the followers of Jesus who filled it. They were the church. This is my point. To, re to reduce church to a building, a brand, or even, I should hope not, a pastor, that's completely missing the point. The church is the people of God. It's the gospel transforming hearts and lives, giving us those who make up the church. No gospel, no church. Okay, so that's the what of church. What is church? Now let's get into the why of the matter. Why go to church? The book of Colossians is where we're going to be focusing our study today. It's a letter written by Paul, who at the time was in prison, and it's addressed to the church in Colossae. I just want to say, like, how good is it? I mean, even though Paul was in prison, we should be thankful in a way that God did put him in prison because it gave him time to write all of these amazing letters, so many of which make up the New Testament. So thanks, Paul, for your time in prison. Thank you, Jesus, for um, putting that in him and giving us those letters. All right, so if you're into homework, your homework is to read this book of the Bible, Colossians, in its entirety. It's only four chapters long, but it's filled with lots of great Christian teaching and advice. But for our study today, we're just going to be looking specifically at what Paul is saying in this letter about the church. So let's start right at the beginning. Colossians 1 verses 1 to 6. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, Grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up in you in heaven, about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. The true message of the gospel and a true understanding of God's grace. I love that Paul mentions those two things. Everything that he is praising the church in Colossae for stems from these two things. The true message of the gospel and a true understanding of God's grace. The modern church needs to get back to these two things. The gospel, which is repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, and a true understanding of God's grace. Not a get out of jail free card, but a reason to fear God and to love him. But I won't be getting into that today. I could do a whole other podcast on that. But what is Paul saying here about the church? To start with, let's look a little longer at verses 2 to 4. What is Paul praising the church for here? He calls them God's holy people, faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, and he thanks God for them because of their faith in Jesus Christ and the love that they have for all God's people. Our faith in Christ should lead us to love God's people. Not a brand, not a pastor, not a building. God's people, all God's people. If I withdrew from my local church, if I started meeting at home with my select Christian friends, where are all God's people? They're not invited. Only the people I enjoy being around are invited. As much as it is nice to be around the people we actually like to be around, if we separate ourselves into this exclusionary group, 
we are not actually behaving in a way that is the gospel. We're actually behaving completely opposite to the gospel. The gospel is not exclusionary. Church should never be exclusionary. There is a time and a place for closer fellowship. Yes, there's nothing wrong with that. But it should not take the place of the Sunday meeting of believers. Jesus doesn't only invite the people who are easy to like and and easy to love to be a part of his body. Can we be like the believers in Colossae and love all the saints? Matthew 5 verses 34, oh, sorry, 43 to 48 says, You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and to the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. If we're supposed to love our enemies, how much more should we love our brothers and sisters in Christ? All of them. Excuse me if you can hear some construction sound. Our neighbors are building a house. So that might be the banging that you're hearing in the background. I apologize, there's nothing I can do um, about that. Um, okay, so this is why across the globe, the church meet at local advertised locations where anyone can go. A place that will be open every Sunday and where you don't need an invitation to get in. It could be a nice location. It could be a not so nice location. The point is it's the open door for believers to gather. Anything beyond that is a bonus. And I'm just thinking now of the persecuted church around the world. They can't advertise where they're meeting. They can't, um, you know, put it in the paper or on the internet. It's not really an open door because they are persecuted. And so you have to just be word of mouth inviting people. But we have the luxury in the Western church um, and in the unpersecuted nations of the world for Christianity that we can just put it on the internet. We can advertise it so that literally anyone can come. Because remember, the church is actually for believers. It's not... It's not supposed to be the place for outreach for unbelievers. I think we kind of have that thinking in the Western churches that this is an outreach outreach place as well. But that's not how it was in the early church. You would talk to someone, you'd you'd share the gospel with them. If they were interested and wanted to know more, if they got saved, then they would come along and they would be part of that gathering of believers. Church is not an outreach. It's the gathering of the believers. I'm not saying that we can't do outreach at church. But I'm of the mind that outreach means going out to people and not actually expecting and waiting for them to come in. But that's just a side note. Um, Yes. So the church building is a place for all believers, even the brothers and sisters in Christ who might rub you the wrong way or me the wrong way. (laughs) Everyone. And look, if we don't get along with some of our brothers and sisters in Christ, then we have uh, the opportunity to grow in maturity And in the fruits of the spirit, patience, kindness, self-control, goodness. If no one ever tests our patience, our kindness, our self-control and goodness, then we would never grow in these things. And I feel like that's what Jesus is doing right now with me and my children. But I remember being like, 
being different to how I am now. I used to never want to talk to people at church except for my like four, four friends. Never wanting to leave. Uh, oh no, always wanting to leave as soon as possible. And the thought of inviting people to church would never cross my mind. Or inviting people over to my house after church, rather. You know, I would not want to continue in fellowship. I would just be like, all right, gone to church. I'm out of here. Great. But as I've grown in the faith, the Holy Spirit has changed my heart. I really do love my brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to talk to them. I want to know what's happening in their lives. I want to have them over for lunch or dinner. As much as my husband will allow anyway. It's not just my house <laughs> and um, not just the believers who make up my local church either. I want to rub shoulders with all the Christians in my area. And this is something that I'm currently itching to do. Like I have, I feel like I don't have enough time, but I would love to like go around to all the churches in my city and just meet with the other women there and just talk to them and fellowship and see what's on their heart. This is a goal of mine. I really want to do it, but time limits me and responsibilities limit me but which is fine um but yeah it's a goal of mine at the moment I really want to talk and get to know um the other Christians in my area but this is not a something that came from me like I said I was kind of the opposite it's purely a work of the Lord because yeah it's definitely not something I already had it in me the Lord put it in my heart and I'm grateful for that I think I don't know it, it's awesome you know, we should love our brothers and sisters in Christ. He's helped me with that. All right, um, on to verses 5 and 6 of Colossians 1. Just looking a little bit deeper now at these verses. So, after Paul expressed his thankfulness to the Lord for the faith of the Colossians and the love that they have for all God's people, he says this, The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. The faith and love of the Colossians has sprung up from the true message of the gospel. It's the gospel bearing fruit in them. Faith and love. So we have already covered love. So let's look now at faith. And I do think in this particular section, Paul is referring to their faith in Christ. Yes, church is definitely a place where we can build each other up in our faith in Christ. But remember at the beginning of this letter, Paul praised them for being faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Faithfulness is different to faith. And while going to church can strengthen our faith in Christ, it can also be an exercise in faithfulness. Because I'll be honest, I go to church sometimes and the music isn't that great. I love our music team, but sometimes, you know, you have your off weeks. The message being preached, you know, this might be one that I've heard five times before. Or it could be a little slow and boring. Um, look, I've been going to church nearly every week for a very long time. I'm talking like since I was a baby. So it's very rare that I hear something new. Or sometimes I go to church and my kids are playing up now that I have children and I end up spending most of the service, if not all of the service, in the creche. I mean, when I had little babies, I was feeding little babies in the, you know, parents' room and almost never got to see anyone else. Literally was just there to feed my baby and then go home, change a nappy or two. So I've wondered sometimes 
why I keep going when I'm not really getting anything out of it. First of all, notice how me-centered that statement is. It's all about me and what I'm going to get out of church rather than what I'm bringing to the church. More on that later, but if I keep going, even when I am feeling that way, I actually am getting something out of it. I'm building faithfulness. I'm also role modeling for my children um, that church is a value that we have. Um, but yeah, I'm building faithfulness, which is a fruit of the spirit and a fruit of the gospel. I'm building faithfulness to the body of Christ. But we don't leave our spouse as soon as we hit a rough patch. We don't leave when we get bored and we don't feel like we're getting anything from the relationship. At least we shouldn't anyway. Part of the commitment commitment that was made at the wedding ceremony was a commitment to be faithful. We are supposed to remain faithful to our spouse, even when we are in a difficult season. Now that's not to say that there's never any reason to leave a church. I definitely think there is. Adultery is a reason that Jesus gave, uh, Jesus gave in the New Testament to uh, lawfully divorce a spouse. And I think that spiritual adultery is one reason anyway to leave a church specifically the preaching of a different gospel to the true gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's one reason I'll give. There are other reasons. Um, I think that could be a whole nother episode, but I don't want to focus on that today. I'm talking about the why we should rather than why we shouldn't <laughs> or why we should leave. But no matter what, it is not a decision that we should make lightly. So when we make the choice to follow Jesus, we aren't just making a commitment to Jesus. We are also making a commitment to the church he established. The Bible tells us that we are baptized into one spirit, the Holy Spirit, and one body, the body of Christ. And so if I leave church the first time I hear a boring sermon, or the first time the music team just isn't hitting all the right notes, or I'm not in the mood, I'm not, ex uh, I'm not exercising faithfulness, and I won't be in any church for very long. We should have realistic expectations for a church meeting, shouldn't we? They aren't machines. They aren't paid performers. These are my brothers and sisters in Christ who are serving me as part of the church. And I'm going to get ticked off when things aren't exactly how I like it. I just don't think that's right. And there are times where I have been ticked off. No good. Not good, Krista. I, I, got, I can't do that. I need to work on my attitude and my heart. I need to be faithful. I need to love them. The early church were faithful. And an excellent example of this is the story of Eutychus, uh, which is found in Acts 20. I'm not going to read it for you, so let me just summarize. So Eutychus was with a gathering of believers who were uh, meeting at the third story of a house in, a, in, um, in oh, I don't even know what town they were in. Anyway, third story of a house, they were having a meeting and Paul was the preacher. And in the Bible, it actually says that Paul was preaching and it went on and on well into the night. So we're talking midnight or past. And Eutychus was a young man who was sitting on the corner of a window because they had open windows there. There was no glass. It was just like a hole in the side of the building. And he was sitting and leaning up in there. And what happened was he fell asleep and he fell down three stories and he hit the ground and he died instantly and so what does Paul do he goes down he raises him from the dead and then he comes back up and he listens to the rest of the message I mean 
even back in the day, they had these sort of things as well. This kid was so bored that he fell asleep and died, <laughs> fell to his death. But praise the Lord that um, Paul raised him back to life because that would have been a sad story if, if it had um, just been that he died and that was the end of it. But that is faithfulness, you know. I want to hear Paul preach. I want to hear the word that he has to bring. Oh my gosh, it's going to be boring and we're going to be there until the early hours of the morning. But I'm going to go anyway. I might fall out of a three-story house, but um, going anyway. Thankfully, I think that was the only time that that happened. And it was probably a lesson to everyone. Stay alert. Stay awake. Um, but yeah, we can't even last through a 30-minute sermon sometimes. What an example. All right. Not, not that I fall asleep at church. I'm sure you don't. <laughs> anyway, okay. So the music team of any church changes over the years. Some years it might be great. Some years there might be shorter musician or two. So what? And yes, the pastor might be going on and on like Paul. But, and I could have heard this message before. But it doesn't mean that everybody else has. Maybe next week I will hear something new. And if I don't, well, I can choose to use that as an opportunity to be reminded of the things I already know. And to grow in faithfulness. All of these things, faithfulness, the faith and love of the Colossians, um, you know, these things that they'll praise for, it doesn't come from themselves, it doesn't come from me or from you, it's a fruit, it's a work of the Holy Spirit through the gospel. That's what changes people, that's what enables us to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, to have faith and be faithful, the gospel. So if this is something that you're struggling with, you know, get to know the gospel more, read your Bible more, get, you know, build your relationship with Jesus again, outside of Sunday, so that when it comes to Sunday, you can be there to be part. All right, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is what church should be about. The gospel at work in us through Christ Jesus and the power of his Holy Spirit. There is no message more important and there should be no message more prominent in any Christian church than the message of the gospel. Nothing. So if you're like me and you've been going to church most of your life, I want to encourage you to be faithful. Go to church, even if it is to only use the church meeting as an opportunity to bear some fruit of the gospel, to love your brothers and sisters in Christ and grow in faith and faithfulness. All right, now we're going to skip a little ahead in Colossians 1 to verses 15 to 23. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. And you, who were once who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. 
if indeed you continue in faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which has become, uh, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Church is not a social group. It's not like soccer practice with your teammates or a mum's coffee group. It's the body of Christ. I don't think we should take going to church lightly. It's something that Jesus established for us. We should be looking at how we, being the church, can honour Jesus as his body, rather than trying to find ways to get out of a Sunday meeting. That might be a bit of a confronting statement for you, but that's what the Bible tells us. And if you've been trying to find ways to get out of a Sunday meeting, would you be humble enough to let the Bible change your mind on this issue? The church is, the, is Christ's body. It's Christ's body. Be part of the body. Paul laid it out beautifully in 1 Corinthians 12. Just as a body, though one has many parts, by all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would its sense of hearing be? If the whole body was an ear, where would there be the sense of smell? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I, do not, I, do, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. If we withdraw ourselves from the church, we are taking away a part of the body, our part of the body. There is something that you, specifically you, bring to your local church, the local body of Christ. What are you passionate about? Is it worship? Is it outreach? Is it evangelism, hospitality? What God has put in your heart, on your heart, the passion that he's placed inside of you, it will rub off on your church. I've known people who've attended church and would say, and this is just for an example, um, hypothetical here, um, why doesn't this church feed the homeless? And then they get upset about it. Why don't they feed the homeless? Look, if that's the case. Maybe the church doesn't have that ministry because it has been lacking someone with the passion to bring it to the church. Do you leave because there is no homeless ministry? 
Do you go to another church that already has a thriving homeless ministry? Or instead, do you, take, uh, do you talk to the other members of the body? See who else might have the same passion. Talk to the pastor. Maybe God placed it on your heart because you are the one to make it happen. Like Paul said in Corinthians, you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. Bring your part, bring your passion, your unique gifting to the body so that there will be no lack. So, we have the body of Christ, each believer an important part. And what does Paul say, or who does Paul say is the head of that body, the head of the church? Not a charismatic pastor, Jesus. There is no man, no woman that should be seen as the head of the church, but Jesus. That place solely belongs to Christ. When we try and put someone in that place, we will always be disappointed. Yes, teachers and pastors within the body of Christ should be leading you and should be teaching you, but they should be doing so in humility and under the headship of Jesus Christ. Your pastors are flawed. I am so flawed. Something I know better than anybody. No one will ever know, except for me and God, just how flawed I am. But that's the reason why Jesus is the head of the church. There, there is no perfect Christian. There is only the perfect Christ. As preachers or pastors, we should be preaching sermons that point people to the head, to Jesus. And as members of the body, those of us sitting in the congregation, we need to make sure that we aren't putting the pastor above Jesus, a place that we're never meant to be. They are part of the body, just like you. They don't deserve any more special treatment. They don't deserve, you know, there's no hierarchy in the body of Christ. Remember what Jesus said after he washed his disciples' feet. John 13 verses 12 to 17 now. Um, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. He wasn't naked. He was probably just wearing his like underclothes. Uh, Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, so also should, so you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And after the disciples were arguing amongst themselves about who was the greatest disciple, this, this is in Mark 9 verse 35 now, sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. If we find ourselves in any sort of leadership position within a local body of believers, we should not seek honour for ourselves. We are there to serve. We lead by serving. I am grateful to be able to serve you with this podcast. It is an act of service because this takes time. This takes a lot of effort for me to prepare a study um, every fortnight. Well, I try to do it every fortnight, but I'm, I'm, I want to serve you. I don't want to puff myself up. I want to serve you. I want to help. Um, I want to encourage you. I want to bless you. All glory and honor belongs to Jesus. That's just how it is. I know this is not my ministry. It's, it's the Lord's. Ephesians 5.25. Now, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 
If you don't go to church for any of the reasons that I've already laid out for you today, then go because of this. Christ gave himself up for the church. That is some humbling knowledge right there. Christ gave himself up for the church. When Jesus ascended to heaven after his resurrection, he left a part of his body behind. The church, his body. It was his idea. It was part of his plan. And it was made possible through his sacrifice. When we love the church, when we are faithful to the church, and remember, not an organization, the people, we honor that sacrifice when we, when we love those people, when we are faithful to those people. I want to finish our study today by skipping ahead now to Colossians 3, verses 12 to 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell, dwell richly among you, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father through him. Church isn't about the music, the pastor or the name or the, or the name on the building. It's about the gospel working in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's about the people who make up the body of Christ. No one more important than the other. I want to ask the Lord now. Lord, help us to grow in love for our brothers and sisters in Christ to honour what you laid yourself down for, the church. Help us to keep this, the church centred around your gospel. And if we have grown tired of the Sunday meeting, please grow our faithfulness. Thank you for the goodness of the gospel and the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord, we pray right now for those who have been victims of abuse by local pastors. God, I am so heartbroken for them. And if my heart breaks... How much does yours? Be near them, Lord. As they cry out to you, Lord, be there. Comfort them. Speak to them. Bring healing to them. Thank you, Lord, that you will never fail us. Thank you that we can always trust in you and your perfect love. Amen. All right. Thanks for listening. God bless you. And I'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Outside of Sunday podcast. You can connect with the podcast on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, like, give us five stars, and maybe let somebody you know know about this podcast.